It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a great one for you here today on this Wednesday evening as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Whitaker versus Till, which took place on Saturday, July 25th, uh, the final of the four Fight Island cards, which of course took place in Abu, Abu Dhabi. A uh, little, little late on the recap here. I realize it is Wednesday, but I mean, you know what they say, better late than never. So, you know, we're going to cram in this recap and uh, we'll, we'll fire around uh, a quick turnaround tomorrow and do a preview for uh, the uh, the next fight card, which is Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian, which should be a good one. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, my apologies for, for not doing a show until Wednesday. We're trying to get more regular. We're still working out the schedule, but... Um, I think from now on, it, we're not going to miss a show. We've, we've missed a couple. I think uh, from now on, we're, we're not going to miss a show. Monday through Friday, uh, two shows on Friday, because obviously we have the main card showdown. So I think we're going to be doing the six shows a week, Monday through Friday. Um, might not always be the longest shows, but I, I say that every single time, and uh, they always turn out to be 50 minutes to 70 minutes. So, uh, And I'm sure this one will will be a particularly long one because we have 15 fights on this card to to recap but like I always say we'll try to blow through them but uh, that's never never truly the reality um it's good to be the champ it's good to be the champ of course if you've been following uh North Star Sports you know that I am the North Star Sports money weight champion of the world uh absolute domination you know haters out there said that the the mailman doesn't deliver you know that there there would be no mail delivered on the weekends and and all of this, but you got to realize that you know, like Colby Covington says, I mean, the haters of the mailman are just nerds and virgins. You know what I mean? The mail the mailman always delivers, guys. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost not even fair. Like, I'm I'm about to I'm gonna I'm about to make Demetrius Johnson's title defense streak look like absolutely nothing. I'm going to defend this title for the rest of time. I'm going to defend this title from Drew Peterson so long. It's not even going to be fun, but we're still going to do the bit because I'm still going to win every single week. Every single week I'm going to win. There's nobody who can stop me. There's nobody who can stop the mailman. The mailman, when it comes to picking MMA fights, is a fucking god. So, you know what I mean? It's Maybe if we have Drew and one other person and you could combine their scores, maybe, maybe they could... Maybe they could at some point get the belt away from me, but it's never gonna happen. I won it seventy to sixty-one, absolute domination. I had it. I had it won by I think the featured bout. Uh, yeah, three, two fights away from the main event, I won the belt. You know what I mean? The rest there should have just been a mercy ruled in there. So, you know, the mailman always delivers. I mean, you guys got to realize this, but yeah, it's good. And you know what? I'm looking forward uh, to getting my first title defense this this Saturday. So, you know what I mean? The mailman doesn't take weekends off from delivering. He might take a day or two off of doing a show, but just know that even when the mailman's not live on air like he is right now from North Star HQ, 
he's always delivering. That's, that's, you know, there's very little in life that's constant. You know what I mean? Uh, Death is constant. I mean, people are always going to die. Taxes are always constant. Always got to pay taxes. Unless the mailman becomes mayor of uh, Minneapolis, uh, I will abolish taxes completely. Um, But obviously that's hypothetical at at, at this point. Um, And the mailman delivering. You know what I mean? Like, even, even like those, those mesas, you know, like the Grand Canyon, like those giant rock formations, eventually they're going to be gone. They're just going to be gone. They're not going to be there. So even, even the things that you expect to be there the longest, they're just going to fade away. But the mailman never fades away. He'll always be delivering. The space-time continuum could fucking end and the mail is still going to get delivered. So you never have to question this. Um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, tune in to uh, the main card showdown uh, on Friday. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to school Joe Peterson. But, you know, that's for another show. The task at hand here, I guess we'll start with the main event, uh, which was a, uh, a middleweight fight here between Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. Uh, I believe Whitaker won at 48-47 on all three cards. To be honest, it was a close fight. I think, in my mind, there's three rounds where I I feel pretty solid about who won. I think I feel pretty solid that Till won the first round because he dropped Whitaker. I feel pretty solid that Whitaker won the second round because he dropped Till. And I feel pretty confident that Whitaker pulled away in the fifth round. Rounds three and four. Ah, they were pretty darn close. I honestly, I thought Whitaker won rounds two through five. I mean, rounds three and four, I'm not gonna, you know, beat a beat a a drum and die on that hill. But uh, I thought it was a very solid performance by Whitaker. Uh, you know, gets back on track with with the win. Um, I can pull up North Star Sports rankings here. Uh, that's a good part about doing the recap later in the week, as I have the rankings out. Uh, obviously, Whitaker did not move in the rankings. He was already the number one contender. Um, so he, he stays at that number one spot in the rankings. Uh, for Darren Till, he moves from five down to six. So he flips places with Yoel Romero. Yeah, I just you know what I mean? Like, that's a tough fight. I can't really penalize Till too much, dropping him down one spot. Uh, what sucks for Till, what's going to be bad for him is he's lost three of his last four. Uh, that's that's not great. Um, albeit against good great competition. Uh, but like, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, the middleweight division is very stacked. So champion through six are all very good fighters. I was talking about this with the Kelvin Gastelum fight. You know, was he going to stay in that top six with elite contenders or drop down to kind of just the guys who meddle around the middle of the rankings? <clears throat> and of course he lost. So like one through six, Whitaker, Costa, Cannoneer, Hermanson, Romero, Till, killers. And no disrespect to these next guys, because maybe they're at different parts in their of their career. But 7, 8, 9, and 10. Brunson, Gastelum, Shabazi, and Hall. Those are all f- fringe guys right now. Obviously, I'm very high on Shabazian, but I guess it's more of a conversation for tomorrow's show. Um, but, like, you know, Till's at 6, Brunson's at 7. I know Till's last three of his last four, but I'm gonna, am I going to put Derek Brunson ahead of Darren Till? Not really, man. Not really. Although, obviously, if he be, if Brunson beats Shabazian, he might he might go up to number five. To be honest, because Romero's sitting there with three straight three straight losses, Till lost three of of four, so Brunson will 
honestly, I feel very confident if Brunson beats Shabazian in any fashion, he's the, he's number five in the, in the in the middleweight division. If Shabazian beats Brunson, he Shabazian might be number five. I mean, you know what I mean. So a lot's at stake for that. Um, but it's it, it was a, it was a good fight. It wasn't uh, wasn't a barn burner or nothing. Um, it it it, w- it was interesting. Uh, obviously, Till believes he has that knee injury, so he might be out for a hot minute. Whitaker with the with the stomp, and you know I heard DC talk about the stomp, and I I, I feel like uh, his opinion means more because he's he's a fighter. So for anybody out there who hates the stomp, just know that DC you know thinks it's it's legit, but. I mean, it's legit. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to injure somebody, but aren't... Okay, whether or not I stomp on your knee and try to try to tear your ACL, is that any worse than me trying to punch you in the head and give you a severe concussion? Not really. At the end of the day, it's a fight. You're trying to, you're trying to hurt the other person. So, you know, how you do it, as long as it's within the rule set, which stomps certainly are, okay, I mean, as long as you're not gouging eyes or anything, like, I, I don't know... I I happen to agree agree with Robert Whitaker. I mean, soccer kicks. Why are soccer kicks not allowed? Because somebody's gonna get their head kicked off. Okay, then don't don't be on the ground vulnerable for a soccer kick. I think soccer kicks should be allowed. I think knees to grounded opponents should be allowed. Like, I don't care. It's a it's a fight. You're trying to hurt some. You're trying to set parameters on how you can hurt somebody. Um, you know what I mean? And. I don't really think a knee to a grounded opponent is that cheap. Now, it's currently cheap right now because it's against the rules, so I will say that is cheap because it's against the rules. But if it was allowed, would I say it's cheap? Not really. Don't put yourself in a position where you could be kneed to the head. So I don't think I don't think a knee to, knee to a grounded opponent is inherently cheap. It's just cheap because that's, that's how the current rule set is looked at, and that would be considered an illegal strike. Uh, but the same with uh, uh, 12-6 elbow. Okay, is is a is a 12-6 elbow any worse than an 11-5 elbow? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I don't know. I don't really think it's that different. So, you know what I mean? I, th- I if if I was the the MMA god, I certainly would allow those strikes, uh, no doubt. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just kind of kind of regrouping back here on this main event. Tough to figure out what what's next for Darren Till. To be honest, I do think he'll be out for a hot minute. I think middleweight is, is probably his his true division. I wouldn't like to see him move up or or nothing like that. I don't know who he fights next. Maybe the maybe the winner of Brunson and Shabazian. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe the winner of um, oh man, who uh, maybe Uriah Hall if he wins. Although if he beats Romero, then I guess he's ahead of Till in the rankings. But you know, there, there's always matchups for an interesting fighter like that. And for Whitaker, I think. Uh, I know he was open on Ariel's show to fighting Jack Hermanson, um, but I, I'd like to see him fight the winner of Adesanya and Costa. I, I really would, or maybe Cannoneer. I guess I don't really know what's going on with Cannoneer, if he's still injured or or how that's all going for him. But either way, Whitaker doesn't move up in the rankings, but he stays active. He gets a win, and that's gonna that's gonna pay off in some form or fashion. That that certainly that certainly will help him. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua wins a split decision over Antonio Hajero Nogueira. Um, just a sloppy old man fight. Just a real sloppy old man fight. I, I don't know. It was good. It was good. They were both trying. You know what I mean? But that was just a, there were takedowns that were just like, I'm going to fall down and lay on top of you and you're old as shit. So you're just going to fall over. 
Little Nog has no business of fighting at 44. This fight made no sense. Shogun won the first two times. I will say it's not it's not the biggest disaster of a fight. And to be honest, pitting two old guys against each other, especially at their age, and I know Shogun's only like 39, which is still pretty old, very old for fighting, but Shogun's like a 57 when it comes to fighting years. Um, so I don't know, it, may, it makes sense, because if you put Shogun against anybody, if you put Shogun against like Jimmy Crute, Jimmy Crute would murder him. If you put... If you put anybody, any light heavyweight under the age of 30 against Nogueira, they're just going to, Nogueira's getting knocked the fuck out. So it makes sense in this instance to just have two old guys fight each other because they're at the same point in their career and, you know, they probably have commensurate uh, physical abilities at this point. Uh, they both should retire. They've, well, obviously, Little Nog did. I guess I mean Shogun should retire. Uh, major CTE. CTE case coming with with Shogun. Um, again, I don't really know what this fight means. I don't know. It, it could have meant something if Little Nog won because he goes out with a victory and he, he he avenges the two losses to Shogun. But nothing changes. We all knew Shogun was going to win this fight. So uh, just a sloppy old man fight. And believe me, I'm I'm totally fine with sloppy fights. But sloppy old man fights, mm, yeah, not so much. Uh, moving on here to the uh, featured bout on the uh, the main card, Fabricio Verdum submits Alexander Gustafson by armbar uh, right at the halfway point in the first round. Uh, very disappointing. That screws up North Star Sports' lock of the week because we picked uh, Gustafson to beat Verdum. Uh, good for Verdum. He's 42 years old. Obviously, he's always going to be tough. Verdum could be 47, and he's still going to be a threat on the ground. Uh, it just sucks because Gustafson didn't really get anything going. You know what I mean? I still think Gus would have won that fight, uh, you know, if it had gone a little longer. But just going on the ground, I mean, it was tough because we all knew he was going to get submitted. I mean, once you're down there with Verdum, you're fucked. So I think we all knew he was going to get submitted. He's he's tapped out a few times in his career. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still very high on Gustafson as a heavyweight. I really am. I really am. Uh, and he's only 33. I'm still, I still think he'll do great things in the heavyweight division. And the, the the positive thing for if you take a look at North Star Sports top fifteen at in the heavyweight division, the good thing for Gustafson is most of the fighters in the heavyweight division, certainly in the top fifteen, they're not good wrestlers. You know what I mean? So most of the heavyweight top fifteen are are strikers. So Gus is not going to have to worry. Verdum's a I hate to say specialist, because that because you know, Verdum is very well rounded, and of course he's been a, a champion in this organization before. But he's this. Well, he's a specialist. He specializes in in you know in in BJJ, so that's a very tough matchup. It made sense because you're trying to build Gustafsson off of Verdum's name being the former champ. But like, okay, Ivanov, Abdurakimov, Sakai. Harris, Volkov, Overeem, Rosenstrike, Dos Santos, Lewis, Ngannou. Uh, that's m- most of the heavyweight division. All strikers. All strikers. And most of those are just exclusively strikers. Uh, and I, I guess, I, I don't know too much. I guess we haven't seen too much of Cyril Ghosn's game, but he seems to be more of a stand-up fighter. So I include Cyril Ghosn in that. The, the guy, there's only like two guys 
three well three guys in the heavyweight division that would present Gustafson an un, I don't want to say unfair challenge but possess very good ground games that would mean Gus is going to lose most of the time and that's Curtis Blades Alexi Olenek and Fabricio Verdum if he, as long as he doesn't fight any of those three guys he stands a chance now I don't know where Verdum goes from here uh presumably up in the rankings because he is ranked and we do have him at, we do have him at number 14 in the North Star rankings um I don't know does he have another title run in him I mean presumably he's off the PEDs which is not a good thing for his body uh, and he is 42 but that's kind of old for heavyweight but I don't know a Linux still kicking around in the top 10 so um I don't know I guess we'll kind of see how active Verdun wants to be as for Gus I didn't realize this until I looked uh, at his uh, tapology record. Gustafson has lost one, two, three, four, five, six. He's lost six of his last nine fights dating back to 2013. That just doesn't even seem real. Like when I saw that, I guess I, I guess I knew that. I guess if you went back and asked me to go back and name his fights, I guess I would have realized that. But I just never. I don't know. It's so weird. I mean. He's such a good fighter, and of course, all of his losses are are to really good fighters. But that's it, just so weird, man. He's had three wins since uh, his his title fight loss uh, at UFC 165 to John Jones. He knocked out Jimmy Manoa. He won a decision over Jan Blachowicz, and he knocked out Glover Teixeira. Has not won since May of 2017. I mean. Shit, I don't like. I don't know, man. Does he still have it? I guess we didn't really get to see in his heavyweight debut, but I don't know. He's he's losing a lot of fights, man. Moving on here to another bout here on this seven fight main card. Carla Esparza wins a split decision over Marina Rodriguez. Uh, I got to be honest, did not watch uh, a ton of this fight. I think I watched most of the second round and the third round. Uh, for what it's worth, I I thought Rodriguez won the fight. I know a lot of people thought that on Twitter. Uh, as far as a sneaky four-fight winning streak here, Jandaroba, Grasso, Watterson, and now Rodriguez, their last two fights have been split decisions. Um, I thought Watterson won that fight, and I guess I thought Rodriguez won this fight, so she should be on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of how women's fights go. They if Women's fights tend to go to a decisions more often just because they don't possess the punching power that a light heavyweight does. And when you go to a decision, uh, the judges can fuck up your fight. So the the lighter you go, the the wonkier divisions can get, just because you're getting more decisions. Uh, looking at the rankings here, we moved Esparza from seven to six begrudgingly because I think she lost. Uh, so she flip flops spots with uh, Claudia Gadelia and Rodriguez drops from nine to ten. Uh, Yan Xiaonan moves from 10 to 9, so she flip-flops with Rodriguez. Uh, just a, a boring fight, a really boring fight. Rodriguez was piecing her up on, on, the, on the feet. Esparza was uh, laying and praying and doing nothing on the ground. Just a, a really boring fight. Uh, moving on to a much funner fight, although not, not a fucking barn burner. Uh, Paul Craig submits... Jesus, Gadzim, Gadzimurad Antigulov. He submits Gadzimurad Antigulov by triangle choke. 
Uh, big win for the Bear Jew, one of the best nicknames in all of sports. Don't know how, he, how he's allowed to have that. Uh, you know, they're coming after the Blackhawks, and, and obviously the Redskins are, are no longer. So uh, I don't really, I guess I should look that up. I don't really know what Bear Jew means to Paul Craig. Um, but he did get a nice triangle choke. Uh, again, Paul Craig is a, a low-key, a really talented fighter. He's, he's low-key kind of a mismatch with certain fighters. Now, the UFC, for like his last seven fights, have been using him as a litmus test for prospects. Like, you look at the guys who he's fought, outside of Shogun Hua, that's not a prospect, but, you know, Mojeda, Menafield, Kennedy, uh, and Zek Chu- Kennedy and Jesus, these names are so fucking... These names are getting harder in the UFC, I swear. Uh, Jimmy Krupp, Megamed Ankalaev, Khalil Roundtree, Tyson Pedro. I mean, they've just been feeding him prospects after prospects. You know, he tends to get knocked out pretty easily, but he's he's got an improving striking game, and he's just dangerous as hell on the ground. Uh, major mistake by Antigulov, even engaging him on the ground. I don't know much about him. Maybe that's also his specialty. But you could just see, and like Paul Craig said, he was just eating those punches because every time he was getting punched, the, the choke got deeper and deeper. We all saw that that choke attempt coming from minutes away. Um, so, I don't know, just not a really good fight IQ from Antigulov, but a solid victory for Paul Craig. And, you know, physically, I mean, six foot four, he's pretty shredded. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, he, he has a potential to be something special if he can kind of put it all together i'm not trying to overhype paul craig here but you know he's got he's got his base he's got his, his specialty you know and he's kind of working on getting everything else up so uh i don't know i i don't ever think he'll be in the top 15 but he's just an interesting fighter to to watch for many reasons uh moving on here on the main card again uh Alex Cowboy Oliveira wins a decision over Peter Sabota. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about in this one. Pretty convincing victory for a cowboy. Sabota uh, might have might have broken his his arm maybe, uh, thanks to a, a, a leg kick from Oliveira. Uh, he was just outstriking him. It was it was relatively close at the beginning. Uh, you could even argue Sabata was winning some of those early exchanges, but Oliveira just turned it on, uh, and and really never looked back. Just constant pressure and you know, a solid win for him. That's a two-fight winning streak after a little bit of a skid. I believe a three-fight losing streak before before that the, the current streak. So uh, good to see Oliveira back in into his uh, his winning ways. Because you know, I mean, this is a guy who I believe he's thirty-two. I mean, he fights like five times a year. Like th- this guy, give him a couple of years, he he might be getting close to some UFC records. Maybe not for most wins, but for most UFC fights. I don't know, man. I mean, 2016, he has like five fights. 2015, he had four fights in the UFC. 2017, uh, he had uh, three fights. 2018, three fights. 2019, a uh, few fights, and already got two fights already in 2020. So just a really busy fighter um kind of kind of fun to watch because he's a pretty good striker but uh, another solid correct pick here for north star sports which you know once i got this one right i knew i was going to win that money weight belt because you know I, I was just on fire just absolutely on fire uh speaking of that i guess uh, there's no time like the present to bring up uh the mma picks 
Um, I believe we were 10 and 5. Yep, 10 and 5 for Whitaker versus Till. Uh, not our best performance, but, you know, two-thirds of the picks we got correct, and, you know, that still bumped up our, our season percentage to 64.7. So, you know, we had we had that cold start back in February and March, but we've really turned it on these, these last few months. So, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty good at picking MMA fights, I got to say. A lot better at the prelims than the main cards. I don't know why that is, but we're pretty good at, at picking uh, prelim fights. Maybe I'll go back at some point and look at the percentages for the main card and for uh, the prelims. Uh, moving on to the uh, the talk of the town, uh, the bell of the ball. On the uh, main card opener, it was Hamzat Chemaev, uh, ground and pounding Reese McKee, gets his second win in 10 days. I mean, this is honestly one of my new favorite fighters. Even just today, I followed him on Twitter has like 30,000 followers. I assume he probably got like 25,000 over these last couple of, of weeks. Um, even today, I, I saw he was talking shit to Conor McGregor that he was going to go to Ireland and beat the shit out of him a few months ago or a couple of years ago or something. Uh, very interesting fighter, I got to say. Uh, I mean, wrestling is the best base in uh, mixed martial arts, and this guy can wrestle. And uh, he... In, I mean, he, he fucking smashes people. He smashes people. And something I was trying to say on the preview show was don't overlook Reese McKee. And I guess what I mean by that is Reese McKee is not some guy they just found. That's a legitimate prospect, 24-year-old who, you know, comes out of the Cage Warriors uh, umbrella. I mean, that's a legitimate prospect. So don't just think it's somebody that they fed to him. Yeah, it was short notice. But... You know, that, that, that's, that's a legitimate win for Hamzat. And, you know, Dana White says he wants to get him another fight here in August. And why not? If you, if you take no damage, I mean, that's the one thing. If you want to if you wanna get somewhere in the UFC, just fight a lot. You know, look at what, uh, I mean, even if you don't win, and certain, certainly, he, you know, he's, he's won his first two and probably will win his, his next couple. But, like, Look at Cowboy. Cowboy doesn't win all of his fights, but he stays active. The UFC loves him. Look at Cowboy Oliveira. Stays active. They love him. Look at Jeremy Stevens. You know, Dana has nothing bad to say about Jeremy Stevens because, you know, I think he has the most UFC losses, but he, he also is right up there for most UFC fights. Uh, look at look at how Izzy got to where he got. Didn't take a whole lot of damage on the way up. So, yeah, why not turn around and, and uh, you know, just get wins every two months? So, for Hamzat... Yeah, if you're not hurt, uh, just keep going. I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see who they have him fight next. Uh, I don't think it'll be anybody ranked, but I, it might be somebody on the verge. It might be it might be someone 15 to 20, maybe maybe 15 to 25. Um, you know what I mean? But I I think they might give him a legitimate challenge, a little a legitimate stepping stone. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about him in just a couple of weeks when, when they announce him on the, uh, the August card. Um, but yeah, obviously one of my, uh, new favorite fighters and I don't know, again, like there's, there's not really a rhyme or reason a lot of the time for why fighters get, or why fighters become stars, but that this is a star in the making just over the last couple of, of weeks and just his, his game breadness to just fight anybody. I mean, saying he wants to just 
smash the entire division, literally the entire division, asking how many fighters are in the division. I mean, that's that will make him a star. And then, and you know, Jemayev uh, is is certainly a future star. Moving on here to the prelim main event, it was a knockout for Francisco Trinaldo in the third round over Jai Herbert. Uh, tough fight here for the Black Country banger. Uh, I was really rooting for him. I still think uh, he'll, he's he'll be something interesting in that 155 division, especially given his height uh, and just kind of his his striking awkwardness. But Trinaldo was too much for him. Trinaldo's a fucking very good fighter. I mean, again, this is a guy kind of like Leonardo Santos. A lot of comparisons between the two two old Brazilians. Excuse me, who who just haven't lost that edge yet. You know, even though they're like 41 and 42, they're still out there getting victories, still beating legitimate guys, and, you know, tough one. Trinaldo, I just, I guess his experience took over as the fight went on, and, uh, you know, he he edged out uh, maybe the first couple of rounds and then re- really turned it on in the third round, and obviously a lot was made of the, the stoppage. Uh, Jai Herbert being knocked out pretty much cold. And uh, Herb Dean just saying, fuck it, let him die. Um, I do think Herb Dean is one of the better referees in the UFC, but holy shit, that was a fucking terrible call. Terrible call. I mean, Jai Herbert pretty much just seizes up like a fucking cactus. And Trinaldo even gave him the chance to stop it. Just, you know, had his fist cocked right over his face. And Herb was just like, yeah. Yeah, if you know, I think I think Jai Herbert needs some brain damage. So fucking terrible stoppage. I mean, legitimately, legitimately caused potentially severe damage that didn't need to be done. Even if Jai Herbert's fine, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that took f- four months off his life. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe he's gonna get CTE. I mean, fuck it. I don't know. It's just a terrible fucking stoppage. There's no way that could be good for you. So, I mean, once once you're clearly concussed and out of it. I don't know. Again, I I would always rather side on fights ending too early than ending too late. And this one wasn't even close. I don't know what the fuck Herb was smoking. Maybe some herbs. You know, talking about, well, it looked... He didn't say it looked okay from his end, but whatever his rationale for not ending the fight, I I guess, I mean, I can't put myself in your eyes. We don't have a ref cam. I don't know what you were seeing, but couldn't have been anything good. I I can tell you that much. Um, moving on here, we'll try to blow through some of these. We had a submission win here for Jesse Ronson over Nicholas Dalby. Uh, that one, that one started fucking up my night because that was one of the, I think the second one I got wrong. I felt really confident Dalby was going to win this one. Dalby's a really good fighter and, you know, shout out to Jesse Ronson taking the long way, getting back to the UFC. Um, you know what I mean? I did not think he was going to win that one, but, you know, sunk in that rear naked choke and. I don't know, man. I, I respect the call-out afterwards. I respect the call-out. I mean, you know what I mean? It, for whatever circumstances bring you to the UFC and for whoever you're facing, like, there are certain performances and certain calls-out, certain call-outs and certain ways that you can act where your record becomes irrelevant and you just become interesting. Like, the perfect example is... Um, uh, comma worthy, comma worthy, just some fucking guy that they chose to feed to Devonta Smith, you know, super, super highly touted prospect, minus 1100 favorite, 
and then he knocks him the fuck out, and then, you know, oh, who's this guy? Some guy with a terrible, even though he, he just won the fight, oh, some guy with a not good record, it was like 16 and 7 or something, or maybe even like 15 and 7, but, you know, now he's hot shit, just from that one performance, so, you know, I, I will be interested in, in what happens next for Jesse Ronson, I'm not gonna fucking pretend I know everything about the guy, and uh, nor that I care that much about it, but if I see him on a, a fight card four months from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, Jesse Ronson. Yeah, I remember that guy. Um, kind of the same thing with Tom Aspinall in, in the next fight here on the prelims, docking out Jake Collier, uh, 45 seconds into the fight. Uh, I don't know who put that fight together. I really don't. I didn't realize I went back. So Jake Collier, obviously fighting at heavyweight here. Uh, he used to be a middleweight. Looks completely different. He he looked like a fighter at middleweight. He looked like a fit guy. Looked like a decent-looking guy at middleweight. He looks like a fat trucker at heavyweight. Jake Collier, good God. Like uh, Drew Peterson said, had the best tweet of the night. If your opponent has fatter tits than the ring girl, you you don't have to worry about a thing. And that is very true. If Jake Collier's tits are bigger than the ring girl's tits, you have nothing to worry about, Tom Aspinall. Take your fucking time. But he didn't knock him fucking flush to the ground. Uh, Jake Collier should not be fighting in the UFC. Holy shit. I didn't realize he used to fight at middleweight. But, yeah, that's uh, awful performance. Uh, awful physique. I mean, it works for it works for big country. But, again, I'll always say, if big country cared about his diet... I'll say this about a lot of fighters, to be honest. If, and it goes both ways. Like sometimes, sometimes fighters are cutting too much and they should move up. Sometimes they're not doing enough and they should move down. But it's a case by case basis. I'd say generally fighters should move up. But like, ah, if Jake Collier, I mean, if Jake Collier cared about fighting, he would be at, he would be at middleweight. So the fact that he's taking fights at heavyweight, the fact that he is a heavyweight tells me this guy is not serious at all. Um, a guy like Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, if Kelvin Gastelum was serious, truly, truly serious, I'm not trying to look into into motives or say he's not motivated or that he's not on a quote-unquote mission for gold. Uh, but if he was really serious, he would he would care slightly about his diet and get down to 170 and not be a not be a midget at 185. Um, you know what I mean? And, and so going back to big country. If Big Country was a middleweight, he'd be a world champion. But he doesn't give a shit about his diet, and uh, he was just an entertaining heavyweight when he could have been a world champion middleweight, potentially. So, yeah, nothing to worry about for Collier. It's tough to tell how good Tom Aspinall is. A lot of people talk highly about him, so uh, that that certainly is a name to watch out for in the heavyweight division. Look, That's a guy who looks good for heavyweight. He looks like he's built for heavyweight. It doesn't look like he's a fat middleweight. It looks like he's truly... uh, uh, a heavyweight, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. Anytime uh, British fighters are, are relevant in the UFC, it's normally a fun time, so I mean, we'll see what's next for Tom Aspinall. Moving on here, we had a unanimous decision victory for Movsar Ivolov over Mike Grundy. Um, yeah, not a lot to say on that one. I honestly, I honestly don't even remember a whole lot about that fight. I think there was an illegal strike from Ivolov uh, on Grundy, don't even really, I don't really remember much from this fight. I might have been doing something else. Uh, so, yeah, good for Movsar. Don't really give a shit either way. 
moving on here to the uh, what is this? The fourth card, fourth fight on the prelims. Jesus, they really packed them in here. Fifteen on a fifteen on a fight card. That fight. I mean, I'm a huge fight fan, but fifteen is a lot to ask for. Even for a fan just sitting there on on their ass just watching, fifteen's a lot. Could you imagine fifteen Bellator fights? I mean, they have a they have an hour intermission show in between each fight. A, a fifteen fight Bellator. It sounds like there's fucking construction outside. Um, a 15-fight Bellator card would take 24 hours. It, w- it would take forever. Uh, so, But even a 15-fight UFC card, I mean, that still took forever. Uh, moving on here to the heavyweight division, Tanner Bozier knocks out Rafael Pessoa. Staying hot. I think that's his second knockout in... Oh, let's see here. In under a month. In under a month, he fought last on... Uh, June 27th, now on July 25th, gets uh, another knockout. So, you know, I, I will say he's, he's right on the door of being ranked at, at heavyweight. I think one more knockout, and he's probably number 15 in the heavyweight division. Um, again, the best way to have the UFC do favors for you, for you to get anywhere in the UFC, you have to stay active. There's so many, like, you know how you don't want your career to go? Winning a lot of fights and going nowhere. You know who who's perfect examples of that happening? Francisco Trinaldo, Leonardo Santos, you know, guys like this. Uh, if you look at, like, if you look at Trinaldo, he should be ranked number 10 if you compressed his schedule down to, like, half the time. But nobody gives a shit if you, if you get a win and you fight every nine months. Nobody fucking cares. People forgot about Ponzinibbio already. You know what I mean? Ponzinibbio is irrelevant unless he comes back. And the second he comes back, he's relevant. But if you don't fight, nobody gives a shit about you. So props to Tanner Bozier, especially at heavyweight where stuff can go wrong. Uh, it was a little bit of a weird stoppage with, with Rafael Pessoa. But you have to stay active to stay relevant. It doesn't matter how big of a star you are. If you're not active, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? That's the one thing, like a couple of years ago, when people, when, when Connor might never come back and John Jones, he was facing facing, you know, a four year suspension. What well, what will the UFC do if fighter X doesn't doesn't fight? What will they do if if this fighter doesn't come back? And what will they do now that Raza, Ronda Rousey's gone? The fighters don't fucking matter. They'll fight. It, it does. There's always stars in the UFC. You could take you could take every single quote unquote star out of the out of the UFC right now wouldn't affect the UFC's business a single dollar because an, star, another star will be born. You know what I mean? The UFC and the, and the system and how they do things is not dependent on, oh, we really need Conor to come back. Would they like if Conor came back? Yeah, of course, they'd do great money. But do they need him to come back? Absolutely fucking not. They'll just find somebody else. I mean, you, you really see that in how they treat fighters. Like, look at, look at Masvidal. Uh, oh, we want you to fight Usman. Okay. Um, well, we don't agree on exactly how much I'm going to get paid. Oh, okay. Fuck you. We're going with Gilbert Burns. It doesn't matter. They'll just put in. They'll put in anybody at any time. They'll do anything. It doesn't matter. They'll never. The days of them 
the days of them like waiting for Dominic Cruz to come back from injury for like two years and and keeping that belt if half of the UFC champions right now if they got injured and couldn't make their next fight they'd just strip them of the fucking title it doesn't matter it does not matter so you know being active is very key uh, moving on here, we had a victory for Panny Kianzad over Betch Kohea. Another super boring fight. Uh, I did see uh, Betch Kohea think that the bell rang 10 seconds beforehand and get uh, cold cocked in the side of the head. Uh, that was pretty interesting. That was interesting. Kind of reminded, reminded me of, of Spike Carlisle. Um, but, yeah, nondescript fight. Couldn't tell you a, 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 another thing about that fight. Uh, moving on, another nondescript fight here. Ramazan Ameev. Uh, defeats Nicholas Stolze. Again, I honestly don't remember anything about this fight. A lot of these fights are just, uh, I don't know, they're just, they're just kind of fights. That, I mean, the, again, this is what happens when you have 15 fights. I mean, the the attention span can only handle so much. So I, I'd venture to guess the average fan's attention span probably doesn't last 15 fights. So if you're just putting on fights to put on fights, I can't really be expected to remember you know, all these prelims here. Uh, and then Nathaniel Wood with a uh, unanimous decision victory over John Castaneda. Um, I mean, good to see Nathaniel Wood back on the winning track. I mean, I don't think he was rushed too early. Uh, I think he just, I think he deserved that fight with John Dodson, but of course got knocked out. Um, so it, it was kind of interesting to see how he would react. I mean, Castaneda, not the toughest opponent they could have given him, but it's good to see a rebound win for uh, the prospect, Nathaniel Wood. Uh, not a very good nickname because uh, presumably at some point he's going to be, you know, 35 and, and, and at that point not a prospect. But, um, you know, again, like I said a couple of fights ago, when, when uh, oh, uh, whatever, we'll, we'll say the, the entire UK, not just England. But, you know, when UK fighters are relevant in the UFC, I mean, they, they really get behind their fighters. So there's a there's a big following behind Nathaniel Wood. There's a big fo- uh, big following behind you know guys like this. So uh, the UFC is always funner when UK fighters uh, have some hype around them and are doing relevant things. And you know again, uh, he's gonna Nathaniel Wood's gonna have a real tough time getting ranked at 135 because that's such a deep division. But if he can, it all depends on Mick Maynard and UFC matchmaking. But if he can. He just needs to climb to that point where he can be in the conversation. Because when you're in the conversation at Bantamweight, and I guess by conversation I mean like, I guess I mean the top 15. Every single fighter in the top 15 at Bantamweight, if you match them up against another fighter in the top 15, it's instant magic. That's such a magical division. It's it's such a deep, it's such a deep division that honestly 10 of the fighters could be champions or have been champions, you know, in that division. So if Nathaniel Wood can just get into the conversation, then you know we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens because uh, again, the, every single matchup, it, it could be a Sun Sal versus Marice again for the third time, Font versus Damon, Song Yudong versus uh, Aljamain Sterling. I mean, all these all these fights. Pick pick any combination of bantamweight top fifteen, and it's just magic. So. I think he's probably one win away. Depends on who he faces. Probably not going to get there if it's a late replacement, you know, ten and five fighter. But I do think I do think in the next year he'll be in that conversation. 
Um, so with that, we'll we'll wrap it up here. Um, again, we'll have a show tomorrow. What'll be the preview show for UFC Fight Night? Uh, Shabazian, or I guess Brunson versus Shabazian because he's the higher ranked fighter. Um, and then we'll have the main card showdown on Friday, and then we'll have some other episode on on Friday. Maybe something about maybe something about MLB. Um, although I don't know if I can handle a show on on Major League Baseball because. Already I'm bored with baseball. Already I'm pissed off with baseball with all the fans and all this annoying shit. But we'll figure that out on Friday. That's that's you know that's a problem for Friday, Owen. Figuring out what to talk about on the show. That's that's a problem for future Owen. I don't I don't like I don't like figuring out problems for future Owen. That's when we get there, we'll get there. Uh, so again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. Got to follow the mailman at Owen the Mailman. Check out our website, northstarsports.media. You can check out our picks, our main card showdown tab, um, our, our blog, which is mostly just episodes. Um, whole ton of cool stuff on there. Whole ton of cool stuff on there. Um, so with that, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.